Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. Listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. This is Marjorie. This is Arnie. And we are happy to be back getting into the routine of our every other week schedule. We've got a lot of news this week about Black Series 6-inch figures, Black Series 3 and 3 quarter inch figures, a bunch of exclusives showing up, holiday items, a report from the UK, so much more. But to start it off, action figures. The 6-inch Black Series... We were so excited on our last show to be at New York Comic Con, and Hasbro gave us a couple of six-inch figures early, and I didn't think these were going to be shipping for quite some time, but if you have ordered from an e-tailer, Big Bad Toy Store, Entertainment Earth, or Brian's Toys, those have started to ship now. I ended up pre-ordering mine from Hasbro Toy Shop when I had a coupon code, so I was paying $19.99 apiece, and those have not yet shipped, but... We did get the two figures at Toy Fair and wanted to take a look at those. So if you recall, at the Hasbro event, we got the Leia and the Greedo. I've got the Leia in my hand. I just feel really weird about holding a half-naked action figure. I just want to point that out. Could be worse. Could be completely naked and downright weird like David Vonner's She-Hulk story. True. Yes, 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 yes. I was expecting a lot more from this. I don't know about you. I feel kind of bad because we were so excited about this wave of figures and this line of figures and they're six inch and they're exciting and more articulation. It does have a lot of articulation. I'll give it that. Again, that has that infamous thigh articulation. Because are your thighs articulated in the middle, Ernie? Yes, of course. No, I, I don't think I can move mid-thigh. You don't have swivel cut hips? I do not. No. Well, she doesn't even have swivel cut hips. She has a swivel cut boob. Because, like, the... <laughs> point is right below her breast so there's not even like really hips no there's also the swivel cut hips as well i tend to agree with you on all points i think this figure has extraordinary articulation you can get a lot of good poses out of her i was disappointed you couldn't get the pose out of her if they were to make a six inch java or if you were to custom a six inch scale java which would be Big. It would be very cool, but very big. And if Hasbro made it very expensive. But I wouldn't rule it out since they're talking speeder bikes and things. You could not get this Leia to lay down on the Jabba. Well, didn't they fix that in the three and three quarter inch line by just giving her weird legs? Yeah, you had to have an entire special lower body. But these six inch figures have so much articulation. I really spent some time trying to put her in various positions. This is coming out way wrong to see if she could lay in that 
languid, curled up in the tail position. And no, this is definitely, I'm escaping the sail barge and choking the hut Leia, not I'm relaxing on the bloated belly of a hut Leia. And yes, the articulation is very good. I was able to recreate the pose from the photo on the back where she's fighting with the skiff guard that at the rate Hasbro's doing six inch figures, we can expect around 2029. <laughs> I really like what they did with the hair braid, the way it's kind of malleable so that it doesn't impact the neck movement the way hair can on some figures with the ball jointed head. Well, they also made the chain oddly malleable, but stiff at the same time, because I thought it was a braid. I'm like, why does Leia have two braids? Oh, wait, it's a chain. And you can pop the head off and take the chain off if you prefer to have her chained less or unchained, I guess. Leia unchained. They even gave her earrings, which I can't recall being in the other figures' releases of this, having the little gold earrings. I didn't know that to be a properly tired slave Leia, you must have earrings that match the bikini. But the way they've got it, that's like ear gauging, the way they've got it on this action figure, because it's below her earlobes. But all that said, this figure's kind of fraught with problems. At San Diego Comic-Con, they were so excited about the articulation on this and the fact that she is a nearly nude figure and the articulation being hidden. No, the articulation is not at all hidden. It's exactly what you'd expect if you take an old Mego figure or Barbie figure and strip their clothes off, and there's the joints. I guess it's because you don't have the big knobby joints hanging out like you sometimes get with action figures where you actually can see the ball and the joint. This one you can if you bend it, but I don't think that these are well hidden at all. The flesh is all the same color. Yeah, I mean, it's well painted. I'll give it that mostly. I have a couple of problems. And yeah... Honestly, the skirt does hide a lot of problems because you can see the joints in the hips really well. Not that you're ever doing an upskirt shot of Leia, but if you were, you could see the joints. That's only if you're an air marshal. Yes. So it has that going forward. I like the coloring of it, but all right, here's my problems with it. First of all, the soft goods on the skirt. I think they did a really good job finding a nice material. You know, it's not too shiny, too glittery. It has some shine to it. But they picked a material that instantly frays when you cut it, or whoever cut mine had dull scissors. No, this is common with this type of material. It is going to fray because it needs to have something stop the edge there. And usually what you do is you put a quick little seam in there, or you sometimes you can kind of melt it a little and seal it, but there's nothing to seal the edges, so that's going to happen. It's like satin. You have to seal the edge of satin. It's This is what's going to happen. So in if you play with these, these are going to look like crap in a day. Yeah, just right out of the box, I noticed the fray of the skirt, which I thought, you know, maybe if I get some little scissors, maybe if I get my Sideshow Collectible Care Kit with its little tiny, like, mustache scissors, I might be able to cut off some of the fraying. But... On a $20 figure, I don't think I should instantly need to start trimming with scissors. But you've got that for your sideshow kit, and those are much more expensive, Arnie. The other thing is her eyes. She has dead eyes. What's weirdest is she has, like, very heavy mascara, but there's so little white to her eyes that they almost look flesh tone eyeballs. Yeah, they're kind of creepy. They're weird. They are completely dead with no emotion. As is her lip expression. She just looks bored. This is would be like what I'd imagine Carrie Fisher between takes facial expression, not ever Slave Leia on the 
fight facial expression. It is almost the, I'm somewhat sleepy, and even though this hut stinks, I think I'll take a nap face. Or Does the, I might have done too much drugs between takes face. Does hut stink? I'm guessing hut stinks. And also, her neck is so small and the way the ball joint is, it makes her chin come out really far from her body. She looks almost like a Funko bobblehead. Okay, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with her head, but you just got it for me right there. Is I thought it just looked like there's too much front, but it's because they made the neck too small. Yeah, it's what they had to do to get the ball-jointed head. But overall, this figure, it's just so dead in the face that even when I pose her... To recreate that scene on the back where she's fighting a skiff guard, if you look at the picture on the back, Carrie Fisher was gritting her teeth. She's making a facial expression. She's exerting. She's fighting. She's tough. This figure, mm, she might be taking some hits off the bong. That's about all I can get off this figure. And the accessories, she comes with two different skiff weapons that she can hold in one hand or two hands. It goes back to the good articulation that you can pose her with this, but... Again, with this facial expression, posing her with a weapon, it's more like, what am I supposed to do with this? More than, (laughs) I'm going to kick some ass. I really feel like this figure would have benefited from a swap-out alternate head. Give me one less skiff stick and give me an extra head that is fighting head. Because not everybody may want fighting head Leia. Maybe some people want pass me a toke Leia. But I could have a bad paint version. Fortunately, I still have a figure on order from Hasbro Toy Shop. If when I get the figure from Hasbro Toy Shop, it is incredibly better than the sample they gave us at the press event, I'll let listeners know. But overall, I got to give this figure a four basically for the head. You know, I don't think that there's going to be different versions of her running around Arnie, seeing as we can't even get action figures to begin with. I'm just saying this could be a bad paint version, you Ah. know, like the Yaddle that we had with the big sideburns. But the second figure we got was Greedo. And here we have a very basic figure, a Rodian. He doesn't come with a lot of accessories. He has just his pistol. They didn't go EU and load him up with a bunch of extra weaponry. Okay, there's one advantage to this weird thigh articulation. Look, you can make like a little John Wayne bow-legged Greedo. (laughs) There's really no advantage to it. I'm confused by it. Now, again, this figure, I think, is very well articulated. It has what I'd consider standard articulation on these six-inch figures. You can do a lot of poses. Having recently rewatched the Greedo scenes of A New Hope, which we'll talk about a little later, it's not like Greedo himself did a lot of very dynamic moves. He sat down. He kept his arm at a 90-degree angle. Yeah, and some may say he shot first, which we know is a lie. Now, I like the paint tones used on this figure. I've seen some Greedos that are too neon and some Greedos that are too pastel. I think they did a good job with the yellow and green here. I've heard a lot of complaints online about the eyes. The eyes. The eyes aren't right. The eyes are too oval. When I really get out the pictures and compare, it does appear the eyes might be slightly too oval, but they're not distracting to me. I think that they look good on the head they gave. So we're at the point now where we cannot just criticize the human figures. We can criticize the aliens as well because we are so familiar with them. I think so. And I think you've hit the nail on the head of what I was thinking. Whereas I think Leia has dead eyes. It's again that human bit where I can say that Leia doesn't really look a whole lot like Carrie Fisher. Whereas with an alien, it's got the spines on the head. It's wearing the outfit. It's green. It's got a whole bunch of zits. It's Greedo. What's funny is his shoes look like Crocs. 
<laughs> he's a little slip on kind of like cloggy mule things. I was thinking it would also be amusing if they did the high heeled variant for when Greta was played by a woman. I'm sure we can get some Barbie shoes for him or something. But I really like all the detail in the warts on his head and the spines on his head. And one thing about Rodians, they have long fingers. They do. They're kind of weird and creepy. And you know what that means? They have long fingers and need really weird gloves. It means that it's hard for them to hold their gun. Oh, so maybe Greedo didn't shoot first. But the way that they did the hand with the gun, he holds it very well, and you can actually put the finger in the little trigger area of the gun, which is something, I don't know, that's a little touch I always like versus growing up with the Star Wars figures where they just basically hold the stock or the... I don't know my gun parts. I'm not a gun guy. But they'd hold a portion of the gun that didn't have a trigger on it. And they did a lot of detail on the gun. It's got a nice wash to it. It's not a solid color. There's looks like the gun has... Greedo's not the greatest bounty hunter. I think he got it maybe out of a junk pile. It's weathered. Yeah, that's the term. As is his outfit itself. There's a nice light weathering all down the green. I think that's one of the things that I'm liking is it's got a little bit of brown to it. That It's like he just came in out of the sand. I think they did great on the paint. So I agree with you on that part. I don't like that how his vest is molded to his body. I wish there's a little flair to it, I guess. I don't know. I don't like it when it's molded to the body. I know it doesn't look like it's molded, but it is. No, it's just really tight. Is that what it is? Yeah, they did not do a molded buck on here. It's not added. You'd have to really disassemble him. I think they did a great job of the vest because it's not too bulky. It doesn't look like some of those Greedos we've gotten in the past where you pop off the head and the vest can come off and all of that. Some of the X-Wing pilots had that. Here, they made it really tight. So you'd have to put the vest on and then pop on the arms. Then I'm okay with it then because I thought that it was attached to his body, which I don't like because I like the option, what if he decides to go casual and take it off? And what if you wanted to customize a Beedo? There you go. I like that also he can put the gun in the holster. That's another little nice to have. I can only ding this figure in one way, and that's the fingers. They've kind of molded the fingers together. There's a little bit of separation, but by and large, it's like he has fins. Yeah, but what are you going to do with his fingers? Come on. I know, it's just a little thing. Like you were talking about your little thing is the vest molded to the figure. My little thing is that he's got flippers for hands. He does kind of have flippers. Maybe he was just got done with his endurance swimming. It's like he had a bad superglue accident before going to Moss Eisley. He went there to seek some acetone. But overall, I think this is a great figure. It's a character that is kind of hard to mess up because, like you said, he's an alien. But I'll definitely give him an 8. I think they did pretty good. I noticed mine also has some paint error on the eyes. At first, I thought that was just the reflection of the light. But no, it looks like... I've actually dinged some paint out of his eyes. So something to be careful of. These figures may not be too durable if the paint's going to chip off like that. But yeah, you could get Greedo into some nice poses. If you go back to Star Wars Galaxies, I used to play a Rodian on there. And I would always think of customizing a Rodian figure for that character I played. And... You could actually get him into some nice shooting poses and maybe take a sand trooper and get a couple extra action shots out of this. So I think they did a good job on that. We already reviewed the Boba Fett, which you can hear our review of back in our San Diego Comic-Con show, because it's the same Boba Fett in this wave, two that they shipped out in the San Diego Comic-Con and Celebration Europe 2 exclusive. 
at the moment, Hasbro has no plans to re-release the Han and Carbonite, but I think they're starting to weaken on that stance since at the press event they said, we know people would like to get it. So I don't think it's a question of if they'll re-release it. I think it's a question of when, and you know, it may be the long game of years, but I could see maybe someday that Han could be re-released or maybe at least repainted a little bit and re-released. But then you have the problem of people are going to get furious and there's going to be internet rage about it. But hey, we got the exclusive box. That's true. You just can't make everybody happy with exclusives. Well, there was a rumor going around that the Comic-Con exclusive would be Empire Strikes Back painted Boba Fett and the regular release would be Return of the Jedi painted Boba Fett. That is not the case. Hasbro has told me directly these are the exact same Boba Fett figures and we really, really liked the Boba Fett. You can hear that review in its full detail in the archives and that just leaves us the Han Solo to review. So when my Hasbro toy shop figures ship, we'll see. But I gotta say the Leia... And the fact that Greedo doesn't come with a lot of accessories, it's really basic for a $20 figure. My enthusiasm for this toy line is cooling ever so slightly. This was the thing that got me back excited to the 10th power for Star Wars collecting this year. Because I think the 3 and 3 quarter inch line, they're just not doing that much new and exciting. The 6 inch line was new and exciting. And now getting this Leia, it's like... You know, they really need to be aces. And if every wave, 25% of their figures are bad, wave one with R2-D2 and wave two with Slave Leia, that's a bad ratio. Yeah, that's not really a good ratio. And I think that I would like to go back and look at the Boba Fett maybe sometime too, because I wonder if we we're blinded by newness of it all and the super cool packaging. And science, of course. And science. Absolutely. Because science is blinding. But I imagine these will start hitting store shelves Anytime in November, I will say that as far as the six-inch series go, I think Hasbro is doing a pretty good job on shipping because I was able to find all the figures fairly abundantly in the stores. The Sand Trooper from Wave 1 was the only one that really people seemed to be grabbing up as fast as they could, but even that one I was able to find pretty regularly. So while I'm seeing them, I'm not seeing them backed up. I'm not seeing them clog the shelves where I don't think that shipments of Wave 2 would find their way out. So I think they're shipping in the right amount. Let's just hope that we don't get... Wave 1, people buy out of curiosity because it is a new line and something new to try. And then they go, man, it's a little too expensive or it's not quite worth it or the one figure they bought is R2-D2. <laughs> and then Wave 2 back up and then we never see Wave 3. Because that's something I'm starting to worry about a little bit with the 3 and 3 quarter inch Black Series. Wave 2 is shipping online right now. I did not pre-order this online because it is six new figures to order by the case, you're ordering a case of 12, a lot of carry-forward figures from Wave 1. I was hoping, like I did with my Wave 1, that I'd be able to find these on store shelves. But it seems the stores I'm hitting have a lot of Wave 1 figures on the pegs, and I'm wondering how much room they're going to have for Wave 2, and also how quickly Wave 2 is going to fly, given that there is a Stormtrooper and a Clone Trooper in the set. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all pans out, don't you think? I mean, the distribution right now has been really spotty. I'm getting more and more tempted to order a case, given what Hasbro said at the press event, that the carry-forward figures would be better glued. 
And so for my Mint on Card collection, if I order the case, then maybe I'll get a Biggs, Vader, Anakin, Clone Pilot, Biker Scout on cards that aren't going to disintegrate over the next two to three months. (laughs) Two to three months? You mean weeks? I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt because the ones that I have for my Mint on Card collection seem tight. Hmm. I don't know that I'm going to... So we're getting backups now. Well, you can order the case right now at Entertainment Earth. They're in stock, ready to ship for 120 Or if you look at the places that sell by the Wave, Star Wars Action News Sponsors, Big Bad Toy Store, and Brian's Toys both have the Wave for 80 So it's a question of do you need those Wave 1 figures. I was, again, really hoping that it would just be able to find these on the store shelves and allow me to resume the store hunt that I really enjoy. I get a thrill out of finding those new figures more than I do when I get a case. But if you want to just order the Wave, yeah, Brian's Toys has that Wave in stock ready to ship. If you order the case from Entertainment Earth, you may get a surprise. I actually got a case of figures in and strangeness in that box. There was a little bit of oddness. You got a gift card for $50 for a case of wine at nakedwines.com. I went to their website and I looked around and they apparently give these vouchers out. It doesn't look too frequently, but the deal is they'll give you $50 towards a case of wine that costs $51 or more. So you're going to pay a dollar and it includes free shipping. Now the deal that they've got where you would actually pay a dollar is their customer favorite wines, which I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I'm going to order a case of the wine we like and it's going to cost me only $20 after the voucher. It's just really weird that that came with a case of action figures, that they would be shipping me a gift card for wine. Did they think that I needed a drink? Mark from Yoda's News said one time he got a six-pack of five-hour energy bottles from Entertainment Earth. It really makes me wonder if somebody in the shipping center is just throwing random crap in this box, because it does not feel like an actual Entertainment Earth pack-in. Like, I don't see the partnership between Entertainment Earth and Naked Wines, unless maybe they're owned by the same person. Maybe he figured the dot-com toy business was good. Let's do some dot-com liquor. And speaking of online shipping, I got my Toys R Us gunship in the mail this past week. Not the greatest shipping from ToysRUs.com. It did have a creased box. Nothing I can't live with. It wasn't terrible. But for those, I must have the mintiest of minty minty boxes and the minty box must never be touched by human hands. The dot-com shipping is not the way to go. Well, what's funny is when we check in your figures, I do have to wear one of those clean suits like in the old Intel commercials. Yes, the bunny outfit. Yes. This has also finally shown up at our Toys R Us, which is a little bit behind in the stocking of the exclusives. They usually, I read about them online, and about a week to two weeks later, our Toys R Us has them. They finally got them. The one thing that really shocked me about this was the size of the box. It is about the same size box as the other Republic gunship boxes. And when spending $120 on a gunship, I kind of thought it might be a bigger box, and I know it's vintage packaging. That's one of the big selling points is it's vintage packaging for a not-vintage movie. (laughs) But I actually really liked the Rise of Boba Fett packaging where you had a big box, but then you had the figures in a little window area so you could see the figures you're getting. It made it feel more valuable. I think we're going to have to call this Nouveau Vintage. Kind of like Nouveau Riche. Yeah. I guess maybe we should call it Nouveau Vintage or something to make it sound more fancy and disdainful to us. Vintage-esque. Vintage-like. No, no you, you know, you've got to... It's like Nouveau Riche. I mean, I love the gunship. 
I have a fleet of gunships because every time the gunship came out in the past, I was buying three of them because I really do like the gunships. And I think it's good that they're including the turrets with the gunship, but I do think that the price increase on this is not making it worth it. You do get some figures with it, all of which are repacks of older figures. According to Galactic Hunter, they did a price breakdown, and if you wanted to just buy a gunship, those can be gotten on eBay for $60. If you want the gun pods, those are actually a little bit more expensive since they only came out with the Saga figures, the gun pods, and I loaded up on those because I had so many gunships. Remember how many of those clone pilots with the turrets I was buying? Yes, I bought them all. I probably have 40 in the basement. Yeah. And those gun turrets go for twelve fifty a piece, just the turret without the figure. So we're selling them. Let me see. Make sure I have enough balls for all my t- gunships. You do have a lot of gunships. So in a normal world, that probably sounds like a crazy statement, but I've seen the number of gunships you have in that basement. Yeah. So that would be twenty five dollars in the gun pod. So if you're looking at just the gunship. That's about 85 And then these exact figures, you get the clone trooper, the clone pilot, the Yoda, about $6 a piece. So on eBay, you could get this package for 100 this special package, 120 I say Toys R Us exclusives, just by and large, are overpriced compared to every other place that has an exclusive. Toys R Us, they just charge way too much. But I think they build into that price that there's always discount codes. And this week... Yakface reported there's a 20% off your regular price purchase coupon at Toys R Us. You can print it at ToysRUs.com. We'll have a link directly to the coupon from SWActionNews.com. It's good until November 2nd. And I think they just build that in. And you take 20% off of this price. Now all of a sudden you've got a reasonably priced, even though still a lot more expensive than if you'd bought it back in the day type of exclusive. I know I've been waiting for that coupon code for the new Geonosis sets at Toys R Us. There are two of them, four figures per set, $40 price point. That's about average. I mean, given that the Black Series figures are $10 a figure, four figures for 40 I can't complain too loudly about that or I'm going to start sounding older than I really am. But remember when... Those yeah, you see, be- that's when you sound old, is remember when. That's what I'm trying to avoid. Remember when figures were $4.99? Yes, Sonny, in my day. So I just got to accept figures are $10 a piece. I used to walk uphill with no shoes in the snow to get my action figures, damn it. Yes, both ways uphill. But a multi-pack should have a little bit of savings in it. If I buy one toothbrush head versus three toothbrush heads, I should get a little bit of a price break on those three, and I usually do. Well, here I'm going to get the Geonosis sets by saving that 20%. And speaking of other exclusives, we never advocate shopping at Kmart. We've talked about that on the show since this show began so many years ago, the way Kmart screwed over its employees and took away their retirement fund and declared bankruptcy, then emerged from bankruptcy with enough money to buy Sears. So still not a huge fan of the big K, but they do have... Honestly, the best Star Wars exclusives going right now. And they are continuing their Endor sets with and the Scanning Crew sets. Those have shown up at Kmart. Our On the Pegs reporter, Jonathan, picked me up a full set of those exclusives when he hit his Kmart and found some in great condition. So I don't have those in hand yet, but he will be able to review those all on our next show. If you want to save a little bit of money... Those will be on sale on Black Friday. It's been so long since we had a Black Friday Star Wars item that 
was worth going out for that wasn't Angry Birds. I'm actually really watching the Black Friday sales. I get emails from blackfriday.gotadeal.com because they're getting all of these. You can save five bucks on the scanning crew sets. They'll only be $12 on Black Friday. And you can save $3 on the Ewok catapult set. Normally 20 bucks is going to be $17 on Black Friday. I'm kind of glad Jonathan just got them for me because to save $13 yet get bruised and deal with all of those people who are doing a pile on just for 25 cent hand towels. I, I'd rather just not brave that crowd for 13 bucks. There is nothing that is worth going out to me on Black Friday. Nothing. I cannot stand it. It's too brutal. It's worse than the Hasbro line at Comic-Con. Oh, I won't say nothing. I mean, if there's an exclusive item like they used to do, the way Target would have those exclusive packs of vehicles and figures, and the way, I think it was Walmart, had the exclusive Death Star Transformer with the gold titanium vehicles, I would go out for something I can't get any other day, but I'm not going to go out on that day to save 13 bucks on some figures that probably won't be in stock by the time Black Friday comes around. Well, no, they'll probably have stock held back for that because that's usually how that works. However, those items that you speak of, we were able to breeze in around noon and get them when the crowds had died down, when people were eating their turkey and cranberry sandwiches. Let's not forget some of those Target exclusives that we had to drive to four towns to get. In the evening... In the evening we went. It wasn't like we had to go at 4 o'clock in the morning. You're forgetting the trip to Alton where we went to our Target at 6 a.m. Yeah. and they were already sold out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was a bad day. <laughs> yeah, there was a time when Black Friday's exclusives would get me out. But $13, it takes more than $13 to get me to take a day off work. My time is not worth that. I have an equation that I use in my head for amount of time I'll spend in line, the number of people I'm going to want to punch, as well as what I make an hour. And then those all magically compute in my head to determine whether or not I can do without or just go try to get it later. And Marjorie, you mentioned Angry Birds. And here's what's really funny is there was some news this past week that kind of just upset me as a Star Wars fan and making me wonder if Star Wars is really growing in a direction that I feel like Padme when I'm watching Anakin fall to the dark side. You're you're going to a place I can't go with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little nervous about episode seven for that very reason that I'm going to feel like Padme when she sees Anakin on Mustafar after slaughtering all those people. That's what I'm going to walk out of with episode seven, that kind of blank, vacant expression of shock. But I certainly feel that way when it comes to Star Wars Angry Birds. I just went to Toys R Us this past week, and I saw the Star Wars section, which is so small. It is a small Star Wars section. And yet, 50% of that smallness is Angry Birds. Here's the thing. Angry Birds, that ship sailed a long time ago. Even my niece, who's five years old, I asked my brother, I said, hey, do you kids play with Angry Birds? He goes, yeah, they give that up. They played the Star Wars one for like five days, got bored with it, and moved on. Well... Your niece and nephew are not indicative of the American public, Marjorie. No, they're hipster little kids. Because Hasbro released big news already in the short time that Angry Birds telepods have been released. Remember, the game only came out in September, so we're talking a month. They've sold a million Angry Birds telepods. A million. Wow. They are 
a phenomenal success for Hasbro and Lucasfilm. And no wonder at the press event at New York Comic Con, they were discussing, well, shoot, what else can we put on Angry Birds to sell a million? No wonder they're probably going to be doing Angry Birds G.I. Joe, Angry Birds Transformers, and Angry Birds Marvel Probably by Christmas, if they can crank them out fast enough. Oh my god, maybe we'll have like Angry Birds Monster High, Angry Birds My Little Pony. Ah, why not? Angry Ponies. I'm I'm sorry, the words that I saw join the pork side just churn my stomach a little bit, and I shouldn't have this revulsion, but it's just, as a former Star Wars completist, I don't want this in my collection, and that... This is successful where the figure lines are languishing and the, this is where their people are putting their money. I I took a stand. I am not buying any Star Wars Angry Birds. I am not going to put any money towards that. I'm not going to have it in my collection. Slow clap. Now everybody's clapping for you at the high school because this is a great stance. And thank you finally for recognizing this i called a stinker when i first saw it i just wanted to say and you're like oh no i'm gonna buy some blah, blah, blah. i'm gonna try it i'm a company man i tow the line you don't have to tow the line this stance lasted all of two days before i found myself at mcdonald's in need of lunch and they were having angry birds happy meals <sighs> a little part of me just died <laughs> me too it was probably my aorta for the fact that i ate a happy meal but i was on a road trip with a friend up to chicago and we just pulled off at McDonald's for lunch, and sure enough, there are Angry Birds Star Wars Happy Meals right now, as well as My Little Pony Happy Meals for girls. Oh, I would have gotten the My Little Pony one. So there are three different plastic buckets to collect, a red-handled one, a blue-handled one, and a green-handled one. They only had the blue-handled one when I was there, but that is going on. I was blissfully unaware. I still don't want any of the Angry Birds toys, but... I kind of thought the pails might be cute to kind of store some extra stuff in. There's something about the art. It's just a little cute. A little bit? No. A little bit? No. Heart of Stone. I still don't approve of Star Wars Angry Birds, but if I was having to eat McDonald's anyway, which I don't normally like, I figured I might as well get a Star Wars collectible out of the deal. They also had sticker sheets of Star Wars Angry Birds in there. And what did you do with the sticker sheets? They're still in the buckets. Are you going to use this? Are we keeping the buckets? Yes, but I will not fill the buckets with Angry Birds telepods because I'm not going to buy those. Yay! I feel vindicated and proven right. But actually, you were wrong because one million Angry Birds sold. Now, that doesn't mean a million packages. I think that means a million individual birds with all the multi-packs and everything else. But still, that's phenomenal sales. That's now, did tremendous. they say sold or sell through or like just shipped? Because it could be sitting in a warehouse in Benton, Arkansas or something at a Walmart. The actual press release said are now in consumers' hands around the world. Okay. Good for them. I'm really happy for them. It's just not for us. Hey, Hasbro needs something. They're the number three toy company now. Ooh, who's ahead? Mattel's number one. Hey, they treat their collectors right at Comic-Con. You can pre-order your exclusives, first of all. They do seem to care. It's funny how Kenner used to say we really do care, and Hasbro's like, eh, not so much. Lego has excelled to be number two. And that includes Star Wars stuff in Lego's line. Lego's odd. I like Legos and they're fun, but because they're European, they just seem different and not like us. 
they're just so multi-generational and evergreen. Yeah. Kids always love Legos. I loved Legos as a kid. Your niece and nephew love Legos. They do, yeah. Everyone loves Legos. And there's the branded Legos, and then there's just Legos. I didn't have branded Legos as a kid. Again, I'm sounding like an old man. But I was happy with just my yellow workman people, and they liked it. We had Legos until my dad stepped on one in his bare feet, and then they all got put away, and we never got them again. But Hasbro was number three, according to the last report. Telepods could help them take number two back. Hmm. But while on this road trip, we happen to go by a Home Depot. We don't have a Home Depot in our town. And I got an email from Mitch, and we knew that there were some Star Wars decorations and inflatables at Home Depot. You can get an inflatable light-up Santa Yoda or an inflatable light-up Santa Vader if you want to put that on your lawn. Well, we have the Yoda. No, we this don't have different. the inflatable Yoda. We have oh. the wireframe, what they call tinsel light-up Yoda. I'm not putting inflatables on my lawn. I'm not going to be that person. Now, what they also have to go with our tinsel Yoda is a tinsel light-up Vader. Did you buy him? He was out of stock at the Home Depot. They just had him on display. And I wasn't sure if for $70 you would have felt we needed him to go with Yoda. How much do we pay for Yoda, though? I think we got a good deal on him right before Christmas because I bought two. One to keep in the box because once you assemble these things, they're assembled. The other one is in our attic with all of our other Christmas decorations. There's no getting him back in the box. No, no, he doesn't go back in. Damn it, now I really am tempted to be that person and put the inflatables. How many inflatables do they have? They had two. They had a Vader and a Yoda, and they were $30 a piece. Do you want to be that person? I think I'm good with just the tinsel and not going the full inflatable because we've had neighbors with inflatables. If anybody buys these, let me know. But I would normally see them inflated in the evening and deflated (laughs) in the morning. Kind of like me before my coffee. Maybe they have them on a timer so you don't run that pump all the time. But what they also had that Mitch sent me a picture of and I decided I needed to check out were holiday themed. I'm going to call them plushies, but I'll qualify that statement a little bit. But they are Santa Yoda, Santa Chewbacca and Santa Vader stuffed decorations. They're giant plush stuffed animals. But they have a cardboard armature inside of them to make them stand. They are not stuffed through and through. When you pick them up, you can feel an inner armature inside of it that gives it shape. Oh, they've got little inserts on their feet, like plastic, so they do stand up. That makes sense. Now, these were $25 a piece, and in Mitch's photo, I could not get a representation of scale. But I decided I'd check them out. I have quite the Yoda plushie collection. But when I saw these in the Home Depot, I instantly snatched them up. I had to have them. These things are huge. They're about two feet tall. Their heads are bigger than mine. They're giant. Yeah. They're all head. And because of the size, I found them adorable. Now, the Yoda has kind of a weird face. Like, it's a mixture of if if Kermit the Frog and Yoda had a half-bred child, this is what I think it would look like. It's not quite Yoda. You're right. It's different. What's funny is his ears are disproportionately small, according to his head. Because <laughs> Yoda's got kind of big ears, and they're back like a dog who's happy to see you. <laughs> but the Chewbacca is adorable. He's so furry. He looks like some kind of scrabbly puppy. He is adorable, but his face is odd. They made his facial features too small, so he's all head with a tiny little face. Now, these were in among a whole bunch of $25 similar decorations from Monsters, Inc., and all kinds of licenses. 
I saw the Yoda and grabbed him and then started digging through and found the Chewbacca. There was no Vader. Ah. But we happened to have driven past two Home Depots on this trip, hit the second one. They were completely sold out of all of their Star Wars items already. So today my friend is actually on a trip to another town and he's hitting some Home Depots for me looking for that Darth Vader. The Yoda and the Vader are available at HomeDepot.com with free shipping. But here's the kicker. You could only buy them together for $50. You can't buy just the Vader. Well, that's kind of stinky. So if Ryan doesn't succeed in getting the Vader today, I may order the two-pack and then next time we travel, return the Yoda I bought separately. I'm very disappointed in you. You failed to mention the R2-D2 tinsel. I did not see an R2-D2 tinsel, but yes, that is also up at HomeDepot.com. We may have to watch for him. Because he's kind of cute, isn't he? And I could do Yoda and R2, because Yoda and Vader never really fought. But Yoda and R2 hung out together. Yeah, they're in completely different eras. Speaking of different eras, I've also been back in the cereal aisle. On our last show, Jonathan reported the pens are back in General Mills cereal. Jonathan, we do have a correction. He incorrectly reported that these are the same pens as before. No, before they were Episode 1 pens to tie into the Episode 1 3D. Here, these are Episode 2 and 3 pens where you get Darth Vader, Chewbacca, and so many others. Adult Anakin, to, instead of the pod racing Anakin from the previous pens, to tie into the Episode 2 and 3 3D releases that Disney pulled the plug on, but General Mills already had the pen license in production. We did get to see one of them in 3D. Yeah, we did. We did. In Germany. So I've bought eight boxes of Honey Nut Cheerios so far, and I think we'll be buying more cereal today so that I can complete that pen collection. I don't know why I love these pens as much as I do, but their style just is really cute to me. They're cheap, cheap pens, though. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't even write a letter to somebody I don't like with them. (laughs) They also hurt my hands. They're so tiny. They're tiny and chubby. So that's what we've been finding in stores. A couple of listeners have called in with voicemails. Hey, Arnie and Marjorie, it's Curtis, C2D2 on the forums. Wanted to call in with a quick store report. The Black Series is finally hitting my local targets. I've seen remnants of Wave 1, but today all three pegs fully stocked with Wave 1. They didn't have a Padme, but plenty of Vaders, Biker Scouts, Clone Pilots, and even an Anakin or two. In the 6-inch scale... Target seems to restock pretty regularly. I've seen them with just a mall, just an R2, and then restocked a couple days later, so that's great news. Walmart, however, is still stuck with Episode 1 3D release figures with no signs of clearance or the Black Series. It's quite disappointing. Well, that's all for now. Keep up the great show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Curtis. I agree. When I talk about the 6-inch figures being pretty easy to find... Target is my go-to spot. If I want to get a Sand Trooper, Target is where I'm going to go first because they seem to be putting out the most of these six-inch figures. I can find them all there, whereas if I go to a Walmart or I go to a Toys R Us, I'll find an R2-D2 and a Darth Maul and maybe an X-Wing Luke, but the Sand Trooper is the one that I find hardest to discover. Target's the spot. Target is the only place I regularly see these at. You're right. I frequent a few different stores in my travels now that there's figures allegedly showing up, and most of the time I come up empty except for Angry Birds. And you mentioned the Episode 1 3D figures. If you still need those, 
Head to a Five Below store if you have one in your area. Ours is flush with last year's figures, from the Saga Legends to the, yes, formerly Walmart-exclusive 3D figures. You can get them much cheaper at Five Below than you can at Walmart, even though they've been sitting at Walmart for over a year and a half now. Yeah, but Five Below probably bought a big closeout out of them from someplace. and Maybe Walmart themselves, Mm -hmm. but they do have a lot of those over there. I was really just kicking myself up and down because I remember being at Toy Fair and talking to Paul from Jedi Temple. And Paul's like, well, these are the figures that aren't being re-released later. You better get them. And calling my friend, the same friend who's hitting Home Depots today and being like, I'm in New York City. Can you go to Walmart? I need this figure, this figure, this figure. Yeah, they're staring at me from a five below. Just sitting there. But you bought him deep dish pizza, so it's all good. Yes. Our next voicemail is from across the pond. Hey guys, it's Phil, wannabe trooper on the forums. Just a quick call in from the UK here on something I've found quite recently. I've managed to pick up the vintage X-Wing from my local Toys R Us in Gateshead, just outside of Newcastle. Rocking in at $79.99. I know it's been out a while in the US, but it's just hit this week in the UK. Shells stacked up to the max, so plenty to choose from. They also had the Amazon uh, exclusive, the TIE Interceptor, at $49.99. I would have picked this one up, but it's Christmas right around the corner, so I think it's going to have to wait till December the 25th for this one. Anyway, keep up the good work with the show, and I'll speak to you all soon. Thanks for calling, Phil, and congrats on that find, and thank you for the reminder that while we may grouse about prices here in the States, you have it so much worse, because that vintage X-Wing here, I was complaining about paying 60 for it, you're paying 80 in London, which comes to around 110 to 120 U.S. My heart is with you guys. I completely feel bad for you. And speaking of some of these exclusive vehicles, I'm kind of kicking myself because Amazon had that exclusive TIE Interceptor that I pre-ordered a couple of. That thing dropped down to $39 in the past week, 10 bucks cheaper than I paid for it. It always irks me when the people who are loyal and pre-order and guarantee them the sales, end up paying more. But that's how it works. Uh, Things always end up going cheaper. The Droid Factory figures, we posted on Facebook a couple of times that those have dropped in price at Amazon and then kind of gone back up from time to time. And with Amazon, I sometimes just believe everything has that pre-order price guarantee. If I order a DVD, if they lower the price before it's released, they match their lowest price. But not everything has that. And the action figures didn't. So when the prices dropped, you actually had to cancel your previous order and reorder the new ones. And that gets problematic sometimes. And I really wish that there was a price guarantee on everything. However, some credit cards offer it. Where if it goes down in price within like 90 days, you'll get a refund of the difference. I did a couple of times cancel my orders and order again at the cheaper price. I got an email this week, though, that my sets have a shipping date of October 29th. Now, admittedly, I ordered the day these went up for sale and then canceled it when they went on sale. So I'm no longer in that first batch. So I imagine that I'm not in the first batch being shipped, but they are getting ready to ship here this next week. And Amazon also noted that those were low stock. They said they'll be getting more in, but the stock was getting low on the orders. So you may want to hurry up and order those if you haven't yet already. And finally online, there's a new item from Funko. 
I'm kind of perplexed by these, but they're paper craft fun codes, and they come with backdrops, which would be super cool for some of your action figures. That's the idea I got from Scott from Tulsa. He picked up some of these, gave the little paper figures to his kid, but used the backdrops as action figure backdrops. I think that's kind of a cool idea for a pretty cheap diorama idea. But they have Han and Carbonite, Arnie, as papercraft Funko. Oh, yeah, must have. I also like that they have Han and Bondage, you know, the little handcuff Han. Yeah, that's kind of cute. Because they've got the Bespin set that comes with Lando, Bespin Luke, Boba Fett, Chewie, Han and Carbonite, and Leia. And then another Bespin set with Vader and Luke. So I am all for these for that very reason of thinking that that would be kind of a fun way to display some figures. Finally in stores this week, Scott Hume reports, for those of you collecting those almost three feet Star Wars figures like the Vader that's been everywhere, the clones are starting to hit. I've seen in ads in comic books, they're doing a Shock Trooper and a 501st Trooper. The 31-inch 501st Trooper is now hitting Toys R Us stores. I find these ever so slightly creepy. I didn't like Sideshow when they did the big figures about that same size. It's like little people running around your house. If there's ever going to be some sort of mutiny with your toys, I'd be wary of these guys. I ever so slightly am tempted to get them, and then I'm like, well, where am I going to put them? How am I going to display them? Especially with the ones they're doing. It's like one Vader to rule them all. Would I put all of my three and three quarter inch Vader figures around this giant Vader? I I don't know what to do with them. But for those of you who are getting them, if I were to get one, I would probably try to get the Costco exclusive because there was a website. I not sure who it is. So I'm not going to say who it was. I apologize for that site, but it, there was a website that disassembled this 31-inch Vader and realized there was a spot inside for electronics. And sure enough, there is a Costco-exclusive giant Vader that makes sounds and breath sounds and electronics inside. You're going to have to go on that one alone. You remember what happened last time I went to Costco. It did not go well. Yeah, I know. I don't think I'm allowed back on that one still. I Probably not. But... If you are collecting these, I definitely think the electronic one is the one that entices me most. It has that little nice extra feature. I just hope they don't get into the endless clone repaints now that they're doing a Shock Trooper and a 501st Trooper. Give me a Stormtrooper before you give me an Utapau clone. I personally am a purist and think a Stormtrooper should come before a clone trooper anyway, but... Next up, we have Ginger Prince, and he went to the Winter London Film and Comic Con. Greetings all, this is Steve the Ginger Prince, official UK reporter for Star Wars Action News. In this episode, I'm here to bring you a report from this month's London Film and Comic Con. Hang on a tiny minute, isn't London Film and Comic Con in hot, sticky July, not cold, wet October? Well, yes it is, and we missed it this year as we saved up our pennies to spend at Celebration Europe 2 instead. However, the kind organisers of the con, Showmasters, decided to create a winter London Film and Comic Con as well. So on the 5th of October, myself and my lovely wife Suzanne hopped on the train down to the Kensington Olympia. On arriving at the venue, we got straight into autograph hunting mode, as there were four Star Wars actors that we wanted to meet. Top of our hit list was an actor that we've tried to meet three times before, failing miserably on each occasion. 
Brian Blessed was a comparatively minor part of the Phantom Menace, voicing the slobbering Gungan chief Boss Nass, but in the UK he's somewhat of a living legend, and an unreliable one at that. Twice when we've intended to meet him, he's not turned up at the show, and the other time his queue was already closed. We set out straight to his queue and got a ticket number, 324. It at least gave us a chance, an outside one, but still a chance. We'd have to come back towards the end of the day and see if our luck was in. Putting Mr. Blessed towards the back of our minds, we moved on to Mr. Jet Lucas, adopted son of the maker and currently carving a career for himself in TV production. Jet was a lovely bloke, but a bit on the quiet side. Not surprising considering this was only his fourth ever signing and his first in the UK. Another lovely fellow was our second autograph acquisition of the day, that of Mr. Danny Blackner, who played third Ewok from the left in Return of the Jedi. Danny is the ninth Ewok that I've met and one of the nicest so far and he was the inspiration for me creating World Ewok Appreciation Day. He was talking about how the little fellows were the underappreciated guys of the Star Wars saga, and I totally agree with him. So on every 1st of November, I'm going to celebrate the love, and I encourage you to do so as well. On the inaugural World Ewok Appreciation Day, on Friday the 1st of November 2013, I'll be taking a Twitter and encouraging all tweeters to post as much Ewok-related stuff as possible to commemorate all the greatness the Ewoks bring to the Star Wars universe. And I hope you'll join me. Just make sure you use our hashtag, Yubnub. Anyway, back to London Film and Comic Con, and our third signing guest of the morning. Ailsa Burke was the puppeteer behind one of the most striking and intriguing Star Wars characters ever created, a manaman. Ailsa was a lovely old dear, with a thick Scottish accent that reminded me a little bit of Phil Cogan's, and she thanked us for coming down all the way from Manchester to secure her signature. After meeting Ailsa, we ventured back into the crowds, fighting our way through the cosplay crowd, which included characters from the imagination of Dr. Zeus, Star Wars Planet of the Apes crossovers, Disney favourites, and zombies with what appeared to be quite serious injuries. Our next target was another autographing guest. This one wasn't an actor in the films, but a very special author. Now, the fact it was Star Wars Reads Day made it even more thrilling to meet J.W. Rinsler and get his John Hancock on the newly released Making of the Return of the Jedi book. I already own the Making of a New Hope and the Empire Strikes Back hardbacks, as I'm sure all self-respecting Star Wars fans do. So picking up the Jedi book was never in question, but to buy it and have Mr. Rinsler on hand to sign it was aces. I've not got many signed books, and those I do own are all boringly signed on the page inside the front cover. But I thought a gorgeous tome like Rinsler's Epic deserved to be signed on one of the many great photographs in the book. It took me a while to decide, but eventually I got him to sign on the double-page spread of our scantily clad princess. After a chat with JW, we set off to inspect what wares the vendors were peddling. My first purchase was a vintage Death Star droid figure. It isn't in great nick. In fact, its joints are looser than a woman without virtue, and it's scuffed up somewhat rotten, but it's got character, and it was only three quid. I bought it because I know Suzanne is buying me the Kenner Jumbo version of the figure for Christmas this year, and I want to display the two together. I already own the Jumbo Greedo, and he's displayed with the original three and three quarter inch figure, and it looks sweet. So I wanted to do the same with any new Jumbo figures that I acquire. Now, from the old to the new, at the very next stall, I found some newly released Star Wars vinyl magnets that I just had to have. My collection room also doubles up as my office at home, and to distract me from the bucket loads of mundane schoolwork that I have to do, I've tried to cover every square inch of available surface in Star Wars goodness, including the fronts and sides of my metal filing cabinets, and these little magnets make great decoration. 
It was about this time when Suzanne decided it was her turn to buy stuff, and she sniffed out a vendor that we'd done business with before. They took vintage fabrics and made them into assorted items of clothing and haberdashery. This time she threw down a tenner and picked up a cushion cover made from a vintage Return of the Jedi duvet cover. Next, Suzanne tracked down a vendor that was selling jewellery made out of intricately cut plastic. There were many designs of necklaces and earrings to choose from, but eventually she plumped for a see-through R2-D2 necklace. The little droid isn't just a cut-out shape, on one side he's etched so you can see all of his detail, and he'll make quite a fun wear, I'm sure. Now on a roll, Suzanne made it three out of three, as her eye was caught, as it always is, by an Ewok. This Ewok, Wicket to be more precise, was a large film cell from the animated cartoon, and for a fiver, t'was a steal. I'm gonna have to have a think about how I can use him to help decorate Suzanne's growing Ewok shrine in the guest room. Our purchases didn't stop there. At the next stall, I found something that I see often, but never in great condition. The Star Wars read-along books. You know, the 33 and a third revs per minute vinyl records housed inside the great little picture books containing stills from the films. As common as these are, I've never actually owned them, and never found them as good looking as this set did. For a couple of quid each, I picked up all three books from the original trilogy, and as a bonus for Suzanne, I picked up the additional Return of the Jedi book, The Ewoks Join the Fight. This is different from the others, because instead of being a photo book, its pages are adorned with some great sketches of Ewoks beating the crap out of the Empire. Talking about great artwork, my last small purchase of the con was something that I've been hunting for a while. The House of Carter Mundi has been producing some phenomenally good-looking playing cards over the last couple of years, but I challenge you to find a better deck than the art of Ralph Macquarie set that I finally found. The reverse of the deck is Ralph's painting of Luke's X-Wing, victoriously fleeing the exploding Death Star. And the front of the cards depict good-sized versions of some of Mr Macquarie's influential art. I love the way on these cards that they've made the artwork the central focus, minimising the distractions of the numbers and suit symbols. Well done, Cartamundi. These are something special. In amongst all of this shopping, we had the fortune to bump into a number of good friends that we'd not managed to see since Messer Essen in July, like Jawa Hunter Graham and Bad Robot Paul, who shortly after took his awesome cosplay across the water and rocked New York Comic Con. Before we left London, we had two final orders of business. The con had an auction going on, not your typical stick your paddle up in the air and wave it furiously auction, but one where you had to register, leave a bid and keep checking back to see if anyone else had outbid you, and then leave another bid to outbid them, and so on and so forth. I had registered at the start of the day and bid on two items, one that finished that day just before our train left, and another that didn't finish till the end of the second day of the con, a day in which we weren't going to be in attendance. When we checked back, I had won the first item, a carded vintage collection Wedge Antilles figure, signed by Dennis Lawson himself. I was well happy with this, as we tried and failed to meet Dennis, who's a notoriously rare signer at a previous event in London. My winning bid of 22 quid was a great price to pay, and with the card in great nick and just a slight ding on the bubble, I'll proudly display my signed Wedgie for all to see. Just before we left the con, we checked back on the Brian Blessed queue, and sadly it was only up to ticket 200. This meant, yet again, we had no chance and had failed on acquiring his signature. As we left the con, I was still the leading bid for the other item in the auction that I'd bid on. This was much more of a must-have item for me, as I had history with it. As well as being a Star Wars fan, I'm also a Disney fan, and a good job, seeing as the galaxy far, far away is now an extension of the House of Mouse. 
My favourite Disney film of all time is the 1975 live-action caper, One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing. It's a slightly outdated but hilarious romp of a movie, featuring nannies, Chinese spies and, of course, dinosaur skeletons. It's also a film with two big Star Wars connections. Firstly, it features a character called Quan, who is played by Clive Reville, who would later go on to voice the hologrammatic Emperor in The Empire Strikes Back. But second, and more relevantly to this tale, the giant skeleton of the Diplodocus that the nannies steal from the Natural History Museum in that film was acquired by Lucasfilm and repurposed as the crate dragon skeleton for Star Wars. The skeleton was left in Tunisia and covered by sand dunes so that collectors could discover bits of it for prop hunters to snap up. Back in 2008, I came across a bit of this skeleton at an auction at JediCon in Dusseldorf and I was outbid on it by one of the big players. I think it was either Gus Lopez or that Philip Wise chap. And ever since, I've rued the day that I missed out on owning a bit of this great piece of movie history. So when I saw the chance to finally own a piece, I bid as high as I could without getting silly. The day after the con, I nervously kept checking my text messages to see if showmasters had been in touch after the auction closed. And after the auction closed, at around 5pm, I started punching the air because I got a text through to say that mine was the winning bid. Even better, Suzanne bought it for me. As later this year, I hit the big 4-0 and this is going to be my birthday present. I have the best wife. The skeleton piece is a couple of inches square and housed in a great deep frame next to a photo of it in the Tatooine desert with 3PO walking past. I absolutely love it and it'll hang proudly on the wall of my collection room for years to come. And on that joyous note, I'll finish off and hand you back to the gaffers, Marjorie and Arnie. Thank you, Steve, and congratulations on your birthday gift. That is incredible. I'm jealous of that entire report. The fact that Dennis Lawson signs in your area, the fact that Brian Blessed signs in your area. I know you haven't had a chance to actually get him yet. Jet Lucas, all of these people signing for you. I'm like, oh, those are autographs I don't have yet. I'm tired of going to even celebrations and going, yeah, there's nobody here whose autograph is worth it. These are names that did didn't even hit Celebration Europe. Perhaps we need to go across the pond again on an autograph hunting journey. Well, his luck wasn't so good with Boss Nass. I, I'd hate to make that trip for a failure. Well, yeah, we've had worse. But again, congrats on that auction. And we will link to Steve's Twitter account so you can help him celebrate Ewok Appreciation Day. I think we ought to make this a thing. This is, sounds like a lot of fun. Now, a couple of last pieces of news. I got really excited when I got an email from Highbridge Audio, that they were coming out with a new release of the Star Wars radio dramas. Now, I love the Star Wars radio dramas. I've been listening to them since 93. I actually heard one of them way back when it was first broadcast in the 80s, but I only heard the one episode, and my mindset as a six-year-old was, I think I prefer it with the pictures. Aww, that's really cute. But you were such a weird little kid, I'm surprised you weren't into it. It was on PBS, and I kind of saw that as my dad's radio station. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or at least the W-I-L-L, they owned the PBS TV station. 
This is coming out on MP3 CD. So instead of having those huge multi-CD sets like I have, you get one CD with new art, 35 minutes of rare bonus audio, the making of the radio drama, audio documentary, interviews, and promo spots. 12-page booklet. Now, I own a lot of copies for the radio drama. Back when Jerry and I were doing our radio drama presentation at Star Wars Celebration 5, I bought every variant of the radio drama out there, some of which had making of stuff. But those were the harder ones to find. I had to pay a pretty penny on eBay. I'm very interested to see if this making of stuff is the same making of stuff that I got in those sets being re-released for the first time since those special edition radio drama sets. I also find it interesting that at the moment they're just doing A New Hope, and there's a light side edition and a dark side edition. And here's where they kind of go to the dark side. They're partnering with Topps Trading Cards. And so the light side edition comes with original Topps Collector Card for the light side, whereas the dark side comes with different cover arts, different trading card, but same audio content. So if you are really deep into Topps trading card collecting, you can get both at $30 a piece. Now, Highbridge is sending me a review copy of this as well as a copy to give away. So on a future Star Wars Action News, you will be able to win one of these radio dramas. And thank you to Highbridge Audio for that. I already know I love the radio drama, so I don't need to review that. But I am very interested in reviewing these packages. And the Topps cards also got the Star Wars Insider Collectors. My latest Insider arrived. It had two trading cards. And then I got a helpful email. Hey, if you want the other two, go to our website and buy another issue of the same magazine. How can you make sure you're getting the other two? They actually have them listed by which cards. Oh. So you look at the two cards you get, and then you can order the other two. Hmm. Isn't the magazine really expensive? Because Ten bucks. the magazine, yeah. That's, can't you just buy them on eBay cheaper? Probably not. I haven't checked as I'm not a huge trading card collector. I do know Nathan Butler offered his cards free up on Facebook. So I'm sure that there are some people who are looking at these cards like, what am I going to do with them? And other people who are like, you mean I only have to pay $10 (laughs) compared to the hybrid radio dramas where you pay 30 for the extra cards. But the radio drama seems like something you'd look at or listen to more. You'd refer back to versus the insider. Yep, read it. Let's go. But it's the same radio drama on both releases. The difference is the card and the cover. Hmm. Is it remastered? I'm curious to find out. Hmm. And speaking of bonus content, I was very excited last Tuesday when finally the making of Star Wars Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi eBooks came out. Those were delayed. Those were supposed to be available early October with the actual print book making of Return of the Jedi. But they came out last week. I, the day they came out, ran to Amazon and I got them. Now, we have iPads. We used to have iPhones. We switched. I am a Kindle guy over iBooks because until iOS 7, you couldn't read your iBooks on a computer. You had to read it on the tablet. I took that as a downside. The thing I like about the Kindle software is no matter what device I have, I can read my Kindle books. I can read it on a computer, at work, at home, on my phone, on my Android tablet, on my iPad tablet. It feels a little bit less locked in. So I got these for the Kindle, and I was really happy of the prices. For example, Making of Return of the Jedi is $55 for the hardcover. 
The MSRP on it, by the way, is 85 but you know how Amazon has the discounts. This is why your local bookstore is dying, because you can save $30 and get free shipping by going to Amazon. The Kindle edition is $13. You get the entire book in that Kindle edition. This isn't just some video content. You get the whole book, plus you get this extra digital content. Wow. So as a collector, though, that puts you in a pickle. Yeah, I already have the hardcovers. They were review copies provided by Delray. So they did not provide review copies of the digital edition. So I was buying these. I actually see they've gone down in price. All three making of, as of this recording on Sunday, are 13 apiece. When I ordered, Return of the Jedi and A New Hope were 14 apiece. And for some reason, Empire Strikes Back was 19. But that is still a heck of a discount over the $50, $55 hardcover books. Now, you've heard Brock review all these books, and on a recent show, he gave a glowing review to Making of Return of the Jedi. I cannot agree with his reviews more. These things are so insightful, and I mentioned this to the guys at Delray at New York Comic Con. I was talking to Erich and saying that I couldn't believe how warts and all Making of Return of the Jedi was. The fact that Lucas was exerting a lot of pressure on Mark Wand, and the fact that they show it in the video that they showed at Comic-Con and talk about it in the prose of this book, the fact that there seems to be less vanity in this making of, absolutely great. But while I love all of these books, and they've really enhanced my understanding of the making of these movies in ways I never thought imaginable, I wanted the digital content. I wanted the bonus features. That's what I was really hungry for. It felt like stuff that should have been on the Blu-ray sets. They just re-released Star Wars on Blu-ray, and there's no extra bonus features on that. This kind of content feels to me like they could have made it a bonus disc with the new Blu-ray to make us all double dip. We bought the Blu-rays before. The only reason to buy the Blu-rays right now, as Jonathan reported previously, is if you don't have a Blu-ray player and you want the Blu-ray cuts on DVD. But... With these books, there are a bunch of audio clips, video clips. Just in Return of the Jedi alone, there are 47 minutes of extra audio and video, plus more bonus photos and artwork than are found in the hardcover edition. I really liked these extra features. I thought they were a nice addition to the book. Did you? I really did. Now, I have not gotten my way through all of them, primarily because... Here's a warning for all of you out there. This bonus content completely undermined all of my reasons for saying I like the Kindle. Because I bought the ebooks immediately on my computer, and then I downloaded them to my computer, and I went to the index, and it actually has a special index in the table of contents exactly where you can find this extra multimedia content. So if you've read these previous books as I have, you don't have to read the books again and do a Where's Waldo for the video content. It takes you right to it. And I'm like, how do I play it? I'm looking all over. I don't get it. I update my Kindle software, and then I get to see there is video content at this location that is not currently supported for your e-reading device. The caption for this content is displayed below. Bollocks! Finally, I looked a little closer on the homepage. The Kindle edition with audio video only works on a Kindle Fire, and not even a Kindle Fire first gen. So Kindle Fire second gen or HD or one of the newer Kindle Fires, or an iPad, an iPhone, or an iPod Touch. So they screwed the droid users. 
and the Windows users yeah. and the Mac OS users. And yes, you can also get this in iBook formats. It's available through iTunes. But what this means is basically you need a Kindle Fire or an iPhone or iPad to view this content. Luckily, we had an iPad. Yeah, I'm glad we did. We used to be iPhone, iPad only. We now have Android devices. I didn't notice that little blurb, though, so I actually tried this on a Mac PC, a Windows PC, an Android phone, and an Android tablet, and was getting really frustrated until I finally found the list of supported devices. I think we have OS confusion in this house. I think it's a disservice that you are locking it down to this level of customer. I mean, the iPad is the most expensive of tablets. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day. He's like, I'd like an iPad. I can't even afford an iPad mini, but I can afford a Nexus 7. So I'm going to go get a Nexus 7. Well, that is now a person who will not in any way be able to enjoy this content. It has to be fixed at some point, right? Let's cross our fingers. You still get the whole book in digital edition. You just don't get this extra content. And I love this extra content. A lot of it is exceptionally short. The majority of the clips I've watched so far are under one minute. It made me wonder what the decision was behind it. Like there was an interview with Alec Guinness, and it was described as Alec Guinness discusses the challenges of working with robots. That was actually the last five seconds of a 50-second interview. But you could tell this was a much longer interview. This may have been a 15-minute interview with Alec Guinness. Why only include 50 seconds of this? Is the rest of it something I've seen other places, but this was 50 seconds of a gem that they decided not to include? I loved that one, though, specifically how uninterested he looked and annoyed at being asked those questions about robots. You you could see the disdain in his eyes. I also like they had other interview clips with Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford from Empire, and they asked, how is working with Irvin Kirshner different than George Lucas? And Mark Hamill, first of all, he looked really weird in his Bespin outfit. It was out of context, so it made it a little odd, like he was just wearing this bizarre, strange, crazy doctor military coat kind of thing. It just, it didn't fit out yeah, of context. It's very Dr. Strangelove. I think you it, hit it there. Yeah. It just does not, I, I, you take the boy out of the scene in that coat, it just does not work and you look like a loon. But he went into all these differences with directing style and Harrison Ford is asked the exact same question and he just deadpans, Kirsch is a lot taller. I love that Harrison Ford wit, which he still has. There were extended scenes from Return of the Jedi and Empire. You get to see the Wampa that just did not look good. It looked like one of the animatronics at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> kind of did. Like he expected it to move its hands really funny and fake clap a tambourine or something. There's so much great rare content. And some of those things I understand that's why they'd include. I mean, there's early visualizations of a probot scene. Obviously, that's all there was. The interview clips, I do wonder why they chose to make them so short. And really, the cynic in me just thinks I'm going to be buying something else down the line. The 4K video release of Star Wars that's going to have this 50 seconds of the Alec Guinness in a full hour brand new making of that will include a lot more of these same interviews. I'm cynical like that because I've been taught not just by Star Wars, but DVDs in general. They make you double dip, triple dip, quadruple dip if you're a bonus feature fan. Well, and every time we get a new format, it, you know, culls the herd, but then there's new stuff and you have to decide what to do. It's very stressful. You know, what do you do? Remember when we used to just have new formats like every 15 years? That was once. 
There was no format at all. And then there was VHS and kind of Betamax. And LaserDisc? Kind of, sort of. Kind of. It was the Betamax of the digital world. But no matter what, these books are tremendous books. Brock has given glowing reviews to all of them. I concur with Brock's statements. And these digital editions, I love the hardcover books as collectibles. I love these digital versions. First of all, they're much easier on your wrist. The hardcover books are very heavy. The digital editions fit in whatever device you have. And then I love this extra multimedia content. It makes me think that the hardcover making of Return of the Jedi should have come with like a DVD or something that has this content. Because the people who pay five times as much are getting screwed. Because you're getting so much less. You're just getting that collectible for the shelf. But definitely check these out if you have an iPad or a Kindle Fire. If there's another way of getting this digital content, please let us know and we'll announce it to our listeners. I do think that is my biggest ding of it is how hard it is that they make it to be available. And I think what they're trying to do desperately is make it so that it doesn't all end up on YouTube. They're trying to lock it down with DRM formats. And if they open it up, then you can screen record it if it's on your PC or something. I didn't even think about that. I guess I should automatically think anything that people are going to watch is going to be immediately put up on YouTube. So I just don't think like that, I guess. I'm sure that's why it's being done this way. I hope that there is a demand. Amazon will fix it if there's a demand. If there's not a demand, if the people who care just go out and buy Kindle Fires or iPads, then they have no reason to add that video capability elsewhere. And this is the first book I'm aware of that has this kind of extra content. I don't know of other books that had video content. When they said that that content was coming out with the ebook, I'm like, you can do that? You know, I wonder if this is a licensing thing and it's intentional, like an exclusive arrangement. I still don't think so because it's from Kindle and I think Amazon would want to deliver it if they could securely. But hard to say. But that is our show for now. We will be back in two weeks with another report from Toy Man Toy Show. That is occurring this coming Sunday. I'm excited. We skipped the last one, and I'm getting my Jones in for my old toys. I, I, I need to see new vintage, man. You okay there? Uh, I'm worried I, about I need you. a fix. You going to be okay? And also... Feel free to give us a call. Let us know what you're finding, what you're buying, what you think of anything. Be it the Home Depot holiday plushies, the making of Star Wars books, or the latest action figures. If you think this Leia is great and I'm completely off base, hey, let me know your thoughts. Give us a call at 415-508-JEDI. Yeah, please call us. It's kind of fun and, you know, it gives you a chance to interact and tell us we're wrong or right. You know, there's new figures appearing, so it's been a long time since we've had stuff like this to talk about. So it's going to be interesting. So now we're going to leave you. We always end with Nyub Nyub, but on the making of Return of the Jedi was the English version of Nyub Nyub. Not Ewokies or Ewokian. I don't know what you'd call that. The Ewok language. So we're going to celebrate the Return of the Jedi with our end credits. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show.
We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is segment reporters Jerry, Brock, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve, graphic design by Chris, image editing by Jay, podcast enhancement by Andrew, Shane, Daryl, and Barrett, associate produced and podcast announcements by Brock. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the Force be with you. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Their heads are bigger than mine. I mean, these are like soccer ball-sized head creatures. They're bigger than a soccer ball. Football? Have you seen a football? Basketball. Have you ever seen a basketball? Yes. Okay. I used to play poorly. They're giant. Yeah. They're all head. I can't afford to spend the money on an iPad. I can afford to spend the money on a Nexus 7, though, so I'm going to go get an iPad, or I'm going to go get a Nexus 7. All of these Norfat. This is me new formats. They just create a new word. <laughs> no for. N- <laughs> I love the digital visions. <sighs> Why can I suddenly not talk at the end? <laughs> is your tongue cold? Do you need more drink? 